Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year And to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hey, listeners, I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more.
Hi, friends. Welcome to the Helping Friendly Podcast. This is the quick hit for the August 2nd, 2017 show at Madison Square Garden. Uh, this was night 10 of the Baker's Dozen. Um, and we are here with Mike, who is at Mike Low TPT on Twitter. Um, hey, Mike, thanks for joining us. Hey, no problem, Matt. It's great to be here. And uh, partially recovered, I think, from last night at this point. So had a really Excellent. good time. Excellent. I, I um, understand you um, just made it back to uh, to home in the D.C. area. You got it. Yeah, just off the bus and ready to uh, ready to chat about the great show last night. Excellent. Um, and so, just for context for everybody, um, was this your first show of the run, or have you seen others on the Baker's Dozen? Uh, this was uh, this was fortunately my third uh, third uh, show of the run. I, I saw Saturday and Sunday last weekend, uh, and was able to run up. Uh, and meet my brother of all people for a show last night. So um, I did have some experience in the room, and I got to say the energy level is still as high as it was over the weekend, and even achieved new heights. I would think by the end of the show last night. So awesome, awesome. That's great. That's great. Yeah. So before we um, talk about the show between the two of us, um, we did get one submission from last night um, for a quick review. Um, so let's uh, check out what uh, somebody had to say uh, live in the moment. What's up, HFP? This is Matt coming to you live from the secret hiding place at work. We're talking about night 10 of the Baker's Dozen. Way down in the hole opener was a nice treat, especially for anyone who's ever watched The Wire. You'll know why that's important. Right into Buried Alive, which I think most people would have assumed would be the opener. A lot of good energy through the set, even though it was 12 songs, which you don't usually expect from a longer song set. The meat into maze was particularly nice, even despite Fishman's little flub, but that was funny. Kind of lent to the playfulness of the set. Nice spacey drop into a rage and maze. And then we find ourselves in set two. Are you kidding me with that giant Mike song? One of the longest ever, if not the longest ever, if I'm not mistaken. Into Oh Holy Night. The stage is filled with steam. The entire crowd going crazy, not even knowing what's going on. Into a jammed out taste. That's just so emblematic of the way Fish is playing right now. They can jam anything and will jam anything. Don't miss these last three shows. If you can get there, be there. Peace. Okay, thanks. And um, as we've mentioned on other episodes, if you want to send us a quick uh, clip, fire up that voice memo app on your phone, and then email it in to helpingfriendlypodcast at gmail.com. Um, so back to our discussion, Mike. Um, what was kind of your overall impression of the show last night, especially kind of um, measuring it up against some of the other shows that you saw on the run already? Uh, well, I would say, you know, overall, it, it pretty much, I, I would think it sort of stacked up against the other ones. Uh, uh, I was really pleased with um, with the cover uh, the, to open the show, uh, Way Down in a Hole, Tom Waits. Uh, or as some have said, the uh, the theme song to The Wire. Uh, it seemed very appropriate and it was a good way to start. Um, and, you know, o- overall, I thought the first set was really well played. Uh, uh, I had, a, you know, all of the the composed stuff in Gaiuti was, was really nailed by Trey. Uh, the band really seemed on and, and well rehearsed. Um, I feel like the show started to enter some special territory when they started meet. Um, and that jam itself seemed to to go in some different directions than I've ever heard it. Um, and I feel like there were even some extra vocals added by members of the band throughout. Um, and so that that for me was when the show last night started to change. Uh, also, the maze was excellent. 
Um, and as much as I'm attracted to listening to Paige's organ solo, I've got to say that I can't keep my ears off of Trey's wrist guitar underneath um, and and the crazy action that he is <laughs> that he is doing underneath of that. Um, so I would recommend to everyone to to listen to the maze and and give a little bit of attention to to the non lead line actually. So, um, but overall, you know, I, I really uh, it's sort of after the after the meet and the maze, um, I believe there were I think there were the heavy things, um, you know, the couple of sort of well played tunes um, finally leading up to uh, what I thought was going to be an analyst to close the set and was was very happy and surprised when they when they started that. Um, really felt like it was very patient, really waited for things to develop. It wasn't it didn't seem to be a typical sort of three point oh ish um, 10 minute antelope and had quite a lot of extra to it with a great peak um, at the end and the room jumping jumping ready for the second set yeah it um we tell I, I was on the couch last night watching and um you could tell the the level of energy uh in around the antelope i know a lot of people while i was there the last four shows um kept kind of anticipating the antelope and saying like yeah. once they play it's going to be really um Pretty pretty nuts. Um, I wanted to go back to one of the things that you mentioned before. You you talked about the meat, um, which yeah. I thought was awesome, and I thought it was a, a great example. Um, you know, just kind of the the level of comfort that they have in turning any situation into an opportunity um, when Fishman um, screwed up uh, in the middle yeah. of the song. <laughs> And he and he yeah, just got on the mic and he said, you know what, I want another chance at that one. And as soon as he did it, Trey jumped in and they went in and kind of took a left turn. Um, and it was so exactly. cool. They didn't flutter. They didn't like. Sometimes Trey kind of laughs it off or he'll like you know point the finger or something like that. Fishman stood, you know, stepped forward. He said, that was me. Let's do it again. And then they turned it into a jam. It was it was great. Yeah, and for me, I would say like that's. For me, that's one of the themes of, of fish that I've really enjoyed watching and listening to over the years, their ability to turn a potential mistake or a wrong turn into uh, gold, more or less. <laughs> so, um, and it's funny, you mentioned the, the fish mistaken meat. I feel like he he had another one earlier in the show, um, but the Buried Alive, where he had to, where they restarted it? Yeah, Buried, buried Alive, um, he... He kind of did like a soft restart at the beginning, um, like quite have his bearings. But then that was another one too, where like I don't know how well you could hear it in the room, but um, after he did that, Mike started playing a variation on the bass line, just jumped in immediately uh -huh. in a completely different, um, you know, kind of tonal center. Um, as, as, just in the, in the intro, just while they were getting fired up and, and added some energy to it, I, I thought that was so cool. Yeah, no, I totally remember that now, and uh, and and looking forward to the to the to, to the re-listen later tonight for sure. But that definitely uh, was within my memory as well. I, I remember thinking it was a little bit odd at the start, and I heard something weird with fish. But you're correct in that Mike just seemed to jump right in and and patch, and they were off. Yeah. So yeah. All, all in all, a pretty pretty enjoyable first set. I thought the energy was really high. Uh, you know, even even with the ballad, you know, and the quote-unquote slower tunes. Uh, but, you know, all in all, pretty thrilled with the first set and uh, stacked up pretty neatly, nicely to, to what I had seen in prior nights over the weekend. But um, I'm sure we really want to talk about the second set because <laughs> yes. for me, was where yes. I, I lost it more or less. <laughs> so let's get, let's get into that because I think I – 
Um, I don't think that it was too surprising that they kicked off a set during this run with Mike Song. Um, I right. Feel like, I feel like Trey likes to do that when the stakes are higher. Um, is, yep. is kick it off and, and, and kind of do like a set long Mike's groove. Um, exactly. And you had to assume that something, something was going to be elevated about this. But man, I mean, like when, at what point did you know that it was going to start to go in the direction it went? Well, there's a point that I am sort of trained to listen to um, about seven or so minutes as they're wrapping up what is the, 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 the original Mike's jam. Um, and there's a point where you know, it might go to hydrogen, it might go to simple, or maybe they'll do the second jam. Um, and that's exactly where I was glued into. And I've heard the other versions that they've played in 3.0 when this happened. Uh, and I got to say, this sounds completely rehearsed. Um, this was really smooth. There were Trey hits the two um, last chords of Mike's, Mike's tune and then does it again. And once that happened, it was off. <laughs> and um, there, you know, in the prior versions, there was sort of a little bit of a, um, I would say a little bit of a hitch maybe in the band that they moved from Mike's into what would have been the F major jam, which they did. Uh, but last night, I, it just sounded completely continuous. Uh, and it was, it was amazing, completely amazing. I, I've seen, this was the first time that I had seen a Mike with a second jam and, uh, had been waiting for it for Oh, probably about a hundred shows at least at this point. So <laughs> to say that I was thrilled um, is an understatement. Uh, and then what they did with that jam, um, and again, it seems like the from my from my ears, I think you know all of them are playing at an exceptionally high level. But I think one of the added uh, one of the added things we're getting this run, sort of the the MVP for me, I think is Paige's new keyboards, which seem to always get involved. Um, at the beginning of a jam or after this, when they've transitioned uh, into a jam with the song. So, you know, the, the way that those can sort of paint, there's so much atmospheric for those sounds, uh, it, it really adds a whole other uh, dimension to their sound. And yeah, I was very, very I, I, aware I of that last night, too. Yeah, I, and I think I made a comment before um, about that as well. I mean, his, the new synths are definitely inspiring a lot of um, creativity from Paige. He's using them in interesting places and, and throwing in some textures that he, he would not um, otherwise use. So it's cool to see right. him um, make that that kind of advancement. Um, so one thing, I, so just if we can dwell on the, 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 the second jam, air quotes yep. there, um, the transition to it yeah. and everything like that. What I thought was interesting um, was that I like you? I immediately, I think probably because of all the discussion and the um, the history with getting Trey to, to play the second jam. Um, shout out to you know friend of the show Drew Hits out there who uh, also you know was well, one leading the charge yeah. on that for so many years. But I heard them go to because I listened to that for that that transition to F major, and then you think, okay, well they played they played an F. Are they going to go into simple, or is this really going to happen? But the cool thing was that they immediately modulated from there again. And I'm yeah. trying to, off the top of my head, you might have tracked it a little bit better. It sounded like they actually went to F minor, and then they went to B flat from there. I don't know. What, did you catch that? I think that's correct. Yeah. No. I. I. You know. I'm in my excitement. I was hearing the modulation, uh, and I. You know, again, I would go back and listen to that. I think you're correct on that. That there was an, there was another quick modulation and it settled, and um, and and they were off. Um, it, it it very well could have been in B flat. Um, and just a quick side note, I was uh, 
I was uh, spending most of that break with our, our friend of the show at Drew Hits, uh, Drew Fish, um, and we were actually discussing the, the chances of a mic song, and he had put it at about 0.3%. Um, and I was feeling more like 30%. So I felt just, you know, some sweet justice when that actually started. Um, and with him being in the room, it guaranteed, I think, that we were going to get that, get, get that chance. Uh, I just figured he <laughs> so called me favorite. He said, you know, hey, Trey, buddy, I'm here. Like, you got to do it and lay, lay it down with the second jam. Right, and it's funny because I think that was the only show he was able to see as a run. He might be coming back this weekend. So the timing is fortuitous. Wow. Yeah. yeah exactly. So, but awesome. yeah, I, I I would really like to revisit sort of the the modulations within that um, because that was something to my ears when it was happening that seemed seemed a little different. Um, and it's possible maybe the band had a plan, um, you know, once they hit F to do something else and settle in. You know, it sort of it sort of brings up the next thing they did, the taste, which uh, it. That song is never modulated once, and I feel like it did it three or four times last night, um, and may have been in my mind the jam of the night. Yeah, I, I, the way, in terms of creativity and, and um, playing something that's drastically different than what usually happens in the song, there, um, that was uh, I thought that was that was pretty amazing, um, and and to say nothing of we kind of blew right past the oh holy night. Which was yeah, no, that was in the best possible way. It was it was, uh, it was great, and it seemed like um, many didn't really know what was going on. I you know, being a musician, I knew what song it was right away, and sort of just started chuckling. But but the scene they were setting in the room at the time was anything but uh, <laughs> anything but kind. It was a very uh, it was a pretty scary moment to see, uh, and I think the entire the entire stage was sort of all covered in smoke and um it was a great moment to say the least yeah you know what um, it and kind of reminded me of was that um in the orlando 95 the stash when they yes. played um dog face boy in the middle of it yes. and just it was kind of like dog face boy over like a minor bed and it made it just sound really really evil it was that same kind of thing. Like I, I was a little scared at that point in the set. Yes, no, it was that it was that juxtaposition of this really beautiful melody over this really dark, you know, bottom uh, that it was, you know, it was sort of provided on top of. So that that sort of dark and light sort of a dichotomy was very cool in that in that moment. Um, and I think you just sort of you you sort of hit on something. But I feel like a theme of this whole run is sort of has been taking tunes that don't necessarily um, have a jam segment at all and uh, and make them a centerpiece of the set uh, in some ways. And I feel like that's sort of what, what happened with Taste last night as well. <laughs> you know, it sort of yeah. seems like a continuation of, of, of that, that theme from every night where there's, there seems to be a surprise um, for the fans and for everybody uh, in attendance. So, you know, it's it's amazing to see and to hear them playing the, at this level. Uh, and I I can't think of another, it seems, you know, for me, it would go back to the late 90s around that time where I just heard so much great consistency out of the band um, and and just willingness to try new things, more, more or less. Um, so they have my complete attention. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Which, which is and not then, always um, the case. 
So then the, to kind of round up the, the fourth quarter, we had um, Wingsuit, Sneak and Sally, Weekapaw Groove, yes. Day in Life. I think the, the Wingsuit was very strong. The only thing I would say if you were going to take off points for the show at all was um, it, it looked like they were starting to run up against the curfew. And so Sally and, and Weekapaw were, um, were kind of abbreviated, especially considering how much they were jamming everything else out. I don't know, did, did it feel that I, way? Yeah. I had the complete same thought, and I actually was sort of worried about that post mic, seeing how long that went, um, and how they were going to wrap that up. I was, I was really not wanting sort of a standard week of pog, um, especially after what they had done. And so, you know, I think it's, it's to me it seemed like Sally might have gotten a little bit of the, a little bit cut off because of the clock, and maybe would have had more of an extended jam, whether it turned into a vocal jam or they seem to have been doing more recently or not. Um, I do I do I do find that the week of Pog itself was great, was excellent, and it's somewhat reminiscent of the Antelope Jam and in its patience. Um, and it's not always let to sort of uh <laughs> you know, let the music sort of carry it through as opposed to being so directive uh with where they want to go. So I do agree. I think I, the wingsuit um um, I actually had to run real quick out out of the room. That seemed to be my my best time to take a quick break. Um, but was but was in for the for most of the uh, rest of the song. I think it was very well placed. I thought that's exactly where the the tune needed to go. Uh, and I think it was just more of unfortunate that yeah, I just felt like they were my, maybe up, up against the clock a little bit, uh, especially in regards to Sally. But again, yeah. it was a great surprise at the time. Uh, I wasn't expecting it and you know the song placement and the the decisions on when to play songs has been in my mind almost an a whole run um you know considering that they're not doing re- repeats and haven't yet uh, it's it's a masterful job of of craftsmanship of of shows yeah yeah i i completely agree um i've been very very impressed by as you said song selection and placement the, the whole run it's um keeping it's keeping things really excited uh for yeah. sure and any um so, so yeah any other closing thoughts on um uh, on the show and, and are you getting back to see any more or is this it for you uh this is it for me unfortunately um i will be making the trek out to dick um in about a month to uh to see what what kind of magic they're going to have in store for that three-day run but um my, my time at the garden for, for the baker's dozen has come to an end and uh you know, it was a great run. I, I had a great time. Um, and I I will say that, you know, probably last night's show, I would I would definitely recommend going into the mic um, and, and listening probably into Oh Holy Night. That was probably one of the crazier moments. Um, either that or the taste. I would I would rank very, very high on the list. Um, the only thing, other thing I'd mention is leaving the show uh, were just constant waves of roars from the crowd throughout the garden uh walking out um and wasn't something i had experienced over weekend over the weekend so they were really uh everybody was was very jacked up leaving the show last night um and they they really band really delivered on all fronts so very happily surprised with with what they did and look forward to to seeing what's on the horizon in a month yeah, it's a it's a, it's a good time. It is absolutely a, a really fun time to be a, a fan right now. So, um, it's, so it's thank, incredible. Yeah, no problem. So, yeah, so thank you, Mike. Um, if we were to uh, get you to maybe 
only got one clip that we should tag on the end here for people to, to listen to a little bit. What do you think is uh, the best thing to highlight? The one, the one clip I would say, um, you know, I would probably, I would probably put the, uh, you know, I, I'd say put in some of the meat, meat jam. That was very cool. Um, uh, I would say probably, or just take the last few minutes of the mics and go into a holy night. Um, that, that transition was really cool. <laughs> basically all right yeah so. that, that sounds good so yeah let's um let's go to a little bit of the uh the end of the mic song jam into that's very scary oh holy night and um thank you for uh for listening thanks again mike and um we will be back this weekend with uh, more quick hits of the final three shows thanks everyone what is a city without its music the legacy of the new york philharmonic is incredible nearly two centuries of history that's a lot of music and a lot of stories i was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking i can't quite believe this is happening join me jamie bernstein as we explore the history of the new york philharmonic it's the ny phil story made in new york a podcast about a city its people and their orchestra Listen wherever you get podcasts.
We wanted to let you know about Music on the Mountain, a show that will feature Anders Osborne, Dogs in a Pile, and Saints and Liars. This show will be directly after the Divided Sky Foundation's fun run at 2 p.m. on Saturday, May 18th at the base of Akimo Mountain in Ludlow, Vermont. The show is presented by The Phoenix, a national nonprofit organization offering support to those in recovery and anyone impacted by substance use to celebrate recovery. If you're running in the Divided Sky Foundation's fun run, you'll be automatically registered for the show. 
It's a family-friendly event, and all proceeds from ticket sales and other donations benefit the Divided Sky Foundation. Visit Music on the Mountain, that's musiconthemtn.com, for more info and to get tickets. That's musiconthemtn.com. Hope you enjoy. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effie Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. <laughs>